You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. You're tuned in to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. And you just heard, I want to bake break free by Queen. I would love it if it was, I want to bake free. <laughs> I want to bake free. I want to be free to do loads of baking. Um, I'm, I'm Florrie. Um, hi, Leo. Hi, Soila. How are you oh, doing? Hi, we're good. We're um, well. Good, good. And tonight we're joined by the lovely Mo Mansfield, who's a campaigner on women in the criminal justice system. And today the government released a, the female offender strategy, um, which make which we'll talk about a bit later on. Yeah. Um, so first, for uh, frustrations and celebrations, who's going first? I'll go first. Yeah. Um, so my frustration is the heat. And I do want to... Uh, alert listeners to the fact that we have all of the doors and windows open in the studio. So if you happen to hear a passing siren, it's because we decided to um, go for go for cool air as opposed to sound quality. <laughs> That's how much we value you. Well, no, I should say that actually the windows are closed. That was factually incorrect. We do value you a little bit. Oh, okay. The windows are closed. I didn't look behind me. But the door is wide open. Um, so... Um, that's my frustration. I did have a different one, but what's your celebration? Come on! Um, I'm on my period and I got my moon cup in. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I've got a pretty momentous celebration actually. Um, it's kind of bittersweet because it's two year anniversary with my girlfriend. <gasps> oh, but lovely! Like from the day where we met, but then also I'm here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but I mean, she's having. <laughs> I mean, I love you guys, but you're also not her. Yeah, but um. yeah, but you didn't start going out today. You just met today. That's true. Is that when you count it from? We, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird if you do. No one does that. What? <laughs> was our first I date. met you on this day. First time we kissed. So oh, okay. Ooh. It definitely counts. Well, maybe, okay. Uh, yeah, and last year we almost went for that a drink together, count. but then something got in. Like, we just have never been able to do an anniversary day. Okay, so. <laughs> next year. <laughs> We've both been very busy. Well, congratulations. What about, thank you. <laughs> I hope she listens. Um, <laughs> at least. Um, sorry. Um, uh, mine's a bit of a boring. I've got a frustration that I've been ill. Boo-hoo, poor me. <laughs> Everyone feels sorry for me. But it's <laughs> not do. very interesting. <laughs> so you've been ill and And warm. that's that. Hell and hot. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I'm just being dramatic. <laughs> what about you, Mo? What's your celebration? Oh, uh, celebrate. Oh, I'm going to Stag Do this weekend. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> For and the last three weeks, you've been like, wedding, wedding, wedding. I know. And now Stag Do, and will I come back alive? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Mo? Um, my frustration is. Spoiler alert, the female uh, offending strategy. Um, and my Lucky celebration stuff. is uh, we had a really good uh, international conference on penal abolition in London. Uh, nice. Not so long ago, called Abolitionist Futures, which mm. was brilliant. 
Yay, that is a big celebration. Yeah. Very relevant tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, on point, on point. Topical, topical. Um, so, this week we're talking about abolitionist feminism and we've got special guest Mo here with us who's worked in the women's voluntary sector for over a decade, um, supporting those in the mental health and criminal justice system. Um, and I'm going to start with a broad, non-academic definition of abolitionist feminism, which Mo can feel free to tear apart, um, <laughs> as um, a, bra- a branch of feminism that has prison abolition at its heart. Um, and I, I kind of take it to include things, uh, in, to include anti-racism and a wider critique of the state and how it operates in relation to um, racism and incarceration. But it would be great to start by asking you, Mo, to, to define what abolitionist feminism is, if you could. Uh, thanks, Blair. <laughs> should really have thought about this question. Um, abolitionist feminism or feminism abolition um, kind of comes from the intersection of, of different things. So abolition, prison abolition, um, historically has concentrated on the over-incarceration of uh, men in prison mm-hmm. and the over-incarceration of certain groups of people in prison as well. Um, and feminism, um, and it's particularly anti-violence um, responses, uh, or feminist responses to anti-violence, have focused on incarceration. So abolitionist feminism, feminist abolitionism, um, kind of bring, brings together the intersections of race and gender, um, where people discussing race weren't considering gender and people discussing gender weren't considering race and in particular how black women were being over-criminalised and over-victimised by both the state and in interpersonal relationships. So abolitionist feminism kind of comes out from that and it's about building the world we want rather than the one we think we can get. So imagining a world without the carceral system that we have, which is prisons, police without locating the solutions to inequality, structural inequality and interpersonal violence within the current carceral systems to look towards other ways of doing that. Mm, and and um, can you, are there any uh, famous abolitionist feminists and could you just describe what they believe? Um, it's like, yeah... I guess the most recognisable person who advocates for a feminist abolitionist framework to be adopted is Angela Davis. Um, But there are other scholars and activists um, and campaigners. Uh, Recently, at the opening of the Abolitionist Futures, we had a really good... um, we had a really good thing at the opening of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been there. Oh, but it's good. <laughs> I'm so sorry you missed it. <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> yeah, you'd have loved it really, really a lot. And it'd be much better than listening to me. But it's going to be online soon, so you can watch it. But, oh, we uh, can, we that's can great. Yeah. link it in the yeah. show. Yeah, and then you'd be like, well, what was Mo on about? These women have got <laughs> uh, So, But at that, um, Beth Ritchie, uh, who was part of... Um, a really good uh, campaigner and um, academic and is part of uh, Inside Women of Colour. Um, and Ruth uh, Gilmore uh, Wilson, um, who was part of Critical Resistance, starting Critical Resistance. Mm. And Deb Coles from Inquest in the UK. We're all part of a panel uh, discussing the, the last few decades of abolitionist campaigning. And that was really good. So they're like some really prominent and important um Abolitionists and also important grassroots organising groups that have grown up from this abolitionist movement. So how did you become interested in abolitionist feminism? 
Um, good question again, Flora. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started working with an organisation called Women in Prison that mm-hmm. was started in 1983 by a woman um, who was a prisoner in Holloway, Chris Tchaikovsky, mm. um, and a critical um, criminologist, Pat Carlin. And it was started as an abolitionist organisation. Um, and they had a manifesto for the reduction um, and abolition of prisons for women and prisons for men in the early 80s. So there's been an abolitionist movement in in this country like since the 70s. Mm. There was a, a radical alternatives to prison um, campaign group that, that women in prison emerged from. So I was working with them, but I wasn't like that didn't make me a feminist abolitionist. I, what made me a feminist abolitionist was trying to work within the system um, to support women and to change the system. And I began to realize that that was not possible. So a lot of people, when they're talking about prison um, or police or the criminal justice system, talk about it from a a reformist perspective. Mm. Um, And I came to believe that reform is not possible because the system inherently does not want to change. So Um, in in short, is it um, not a let's change these prisons it's just get rid of them yeah but not like just get rid of them just close them down um which is ironic because what they did in, in london recently was they just got rid of a prison without very much planning and that is not what um abolitionists call for like mm. the the non-planned closure of prisons is not what we're calling for it's like how do we organize um a world where we don't need to use prisons um, or how do we organise our resources and our services and our support systems in a way that means people aren't criminalised for their vulnerabilities or we can provide support to people before they come in contact mm. with the criminal justice mm. system. So, w- w- you know, it's about divestment from prison building and building social housing as one example. And so is prison a gendered issue? Um, and if so, what is women's... What is women's prison experience? Um, well, I will say I have not been in, in prison myself, so I cannot speak for the people who are in prison. Mm. Um, is prison a gendered issue? Yes, it is, because prisons are organised in by gender binaries. There are prisons that are um, labelled as prisons for men and there are prisons that are labelled for prisons as for women. Um, but as we know, there are more than those two binaries. Yeah. People identify in multiple um, ways, and people there are people in prisons for men that identify as women, and women people in prisons for women that identify as men. Um, so prison itself is is binary and gendered, um, and it kind of tries to force those bi- gender binaries on top of the people that are in them. Um, and then ninety five percent of the people in prison are in prisons for men and 5% of the people in prison are in prisons for women. Mm. So there's a, there's a big discrepancy mm. in who is in prison. And then the experiences of people in those prisons are different as well. Does the distinction reflect the, the crime rate, for example? Or, or as in, do more um, men, I'm going to put in, in air quotes... Um, yeah. Air quotes don't really work. Yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> do it um, again. <laughs> um, in terms of the, I don't you, know, you're saying like, do more men commit crimes? Yes, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Yeah, yeah, more men commit crimes. Well, yeah, yeah, or crimes that are that are prosecuted mm, anyway. Mm. Um, and th- there's different types of 
like crimes that are being committed as well. But the the you know statistically, if you're going into the statistics about like women's exper- experience of people in women's prisons, um, then you know the self harm rates are higher. The the rates for self inflicted deaths are higher per like against the general population. Um, there's all the different kind of variables that indicate that women um, or people in women's prisons find it more difficult. Mm. Um, but um, that kind of uh, that line of thinking you can describe as gender responsive, which would mean like if only there were better prisons for women and they had nicer women's things in them. Yeah. The implication being that prisons somehow can work somewhere for someone, yeah. you know. Um, so one of the things, and I have said this myself, like for money, <laughs> I, yeah. got, I got paid to say this. But one of the things that people often say, or I have said myself, is um, prisons are designed by men for men, mm. and therefore they don't fit women. But actually, prisons are designed by powerful people for people with no power. Yeah, and they don't work for anyone. You know? But they particularly don't work uh, for people in women's prisons. We but, um, but there isn't some secret like let's treat let's like tr- train all the staff to make it better or mm. let's paint the walls pink. That doesn't work. <laughs> and they've been trying it since the nineties. Mm. It was uh, something really interesting. Um, I heard you speak the other day, Mo, and you said something really interesting that I wanted to ask you about, which was that you said that prison deaths had gone up since the closure of um, Holloway Prison, which is a women's prison. Um, do you know why that is? Why had they have they gone up? Yeah, I mean, they, they were the highest rate than, the, than they've been for, like, on record mm. that year after Holloway closed. So Holloway closed in 2016, and in the year in 2017, it's the highest on record. Um, and Inquest, the organisation that Deb Coles heads up, that I just mentioned, have a really good report out, actually, on that, um, called Still Dying Inside. And it's, it's a kind of an echo to a previous report they did called Dying Inside. Um, which was which was done uh, around high rates of deaths in custody in the kind of mid 2000s, and then the Corston report was kind of written in response to that. Um, why it's happened is kind of a multiple, like there's many different answers, but the the impact of chain of closing a prison in the system of 12 women's prisons in, in, in England is definitely a factor and is something that the um, inspectorate mentioned as being one of the reasons because everything changes and the complexity of, of um, people, people's really high mental health needs were not being kind of contained properly mm. by the prison system. Mm. Um, and working in the women's sector... Um, but believing in prison abolition must be kind of contentious at times because of a lot of ideas surrounding violence against women and having to lock up violent offenders. How do you square that circle when people ask you what to do with violent men? Yeah, I mean, there, like in England in particular, a lot of responses to anti, a lot of responses to interpersonal violence and anti-violence is from a very car- like what what people could describe as a very carceral framework or a very carceral understanding Um, and that kind of there's implications in that um, uh, around power and violence Um, so it can be challenging in a way to try and hold a feminist abolitionist perspective when all of the solutions that are offered to 
uh, gender-based violence are located within a carceral framework. Like, let's have a new legislation, or let's just send more people to prison, or let's, you know, um, do things that have not actually proven to make um, anyone safer. Um, so, with regards to violent men, it is a question that people ask quite a lot. Um, but as I've just said, like pursuing that that approach hasn't made people safer, um, and not all violent men are um, criminalised or prosecuted or sent to prison. So, and the ones that are don't necessarily get support, and they come out again, mm-hmm. and they often offend again. So yeah. it's not it's not really like how, what we're doing now is not really working um, in the ways that we claim we wanted to work. So what what is the current state of um, prisons at the moment? Because um, you mentioned um, that Holloway um, has closed recently. Um, mm. Are there other closures? <laughs> What's the you know what is the state of the yeah. of the prison system? It's just a casual mention. I don't talk about it all. She does. Sorry, what was the question? Um, what is the the current state of the of the prison? The current system? state yeah. of the prison like, system is, is absolutely yeah. awful. It's terrible. It's really, really bad. Like it's it's appalling. It's I mean the word crisis isn't like doesn't fit it. There's it's there there are rats in prisons. There are people dying. There are people getting murdered. It's horrific in there. It's really really harmful for for everyone in there. And the government's big idea on how to fix the prison problem is to build more prisons. Mm. Yeah. We will ask for a right of reply, I imagine, for the podcast version. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And is it it partially being privatised as well? Um, It is kind of, not fully, yeah. There are private prisons. There are more private prisons per head of population here than there are in the US. People are often... Really? Su- yeah, surprised by that fact. Did you know that one? Um, I did not know that. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. I hope it's true now. <laughs> <laughs> so I've said it enough times on, on, now on the radio. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but they're not pursuing... They're not, they're not pursuing that complete... Like, they're not continuing to pursue that as the only kind of option. Um... And there are some people that say that the privatised prisons had increased the the conditions for people in prison, but there mm-hmm. are other people that would say that the private prison system is a problem in itself and that that is what's fueling the prison, uh, the growth of prisons and the prison crisis. Mm. But abolitionists would probably also sometimes say um, if you were to get rid of the privatisation of prisons, police and um, kind of you know, vans and probation, the problem still exists. It doesn't mean that prisons are going to go away overnight. So it's not the only problem mm. that's there. It is definitely a problem. Mm. And you also mentioned um, that prison doesn't work for particular groups of people. Yeah. So would you say that um, that prison has a, a race issue or a class issue or things like that? Yes and yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Prison doesn't like prison doesn't work for particular groups of people. Like once you focus on a particular group of people, mm. there are no groups of people that it does work for. Mm. So when you when you narrow your focus onto any group, like young offenders, uh, women, um, LGBT, like any community group, any black minority group, any kind of age demographic, it doesn't work. Like once you focus your lens on on a particular group, and as in working is not having recidivism. Yeah. Well, yeah, not, I mean, yes, 
not having recidivism, kind of like not being harmful for the people involved. Yeah. I mean, it works in that it keeps you keeps them locked in for a certain amount of time. Um, yeah, so we timed this by perfect coincidence or strategy. Um, <laughs> who knows? Uh, today, the female offender strategy came out. Um, so I was looking at Twitter. A previous guest, we've actually had quite a few guests on this show, speaking about the prison system. He um, retweeted it. He was actually going into prisons as an anthropologist, so a very different um, perspective to yours. Um, and he retweeted this uh, female offender strategy that had a few sort of bullet points. So I was wondering, given that you said you'd read it today, which is something I have not done, um, what is the female offender strategy and what what will it change for women in prison? Will it be positive? Don't, you don't need to give an opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can if you like. Thanks. Yeah. Um, it's a big day in the world of... Um, women in the criminal justice system. Uh, this strategy has been long awaited. Um, and now it's been released. Uh, yeah. And it's promising great things. It's promising that um, women will not be sent to prison on short sentences, which is good. Why? In, why? Why is it good? Mm. Because the short sentences really don't work. Mm. Like, they're completely pointless. Um, and people are in and out and in and out and in and out. So they're not in long enough to get any kind of, I'll do the air quotes now, help <laughs> <laughs> that you can get. Um, and the recidivism, I don't even say, I don't even say that word. Uh, yeah, rate um, <laughs> is quite, you know, it's quite high, it doesn't work. Um, and they're in for pe like really petty minor crimes. So the kind of strategy is not to do that. Um, and also they've taken off the table something that they had said that they would do, but never really defined or made a massive plan for it, which was to build five community prisons for women. What's a community prison? Who knows? Is okay. <laughs> that one of the things that you need to answer? Yeah, no, nobody knows because they never defined okay. it. So it's off, the, it's off the table now, so they're not going to do that. So what they're going to do instead is build or build or fund um, five residential women's centres. Okay. Um, which kind of sounds good it all sounds good but it's so is that midway between a prison and a refuge or? who knows because that's oh, also okay, not defined either um, so it will it's a good question because it will very much I think the su success of this strategy will very much depend on whether this is an independent kind of supportive environment for women or if women are still being supported within the carceral system and kind of mandated to attend and whether it's run by who it's run by and how it's run by them. Um, we had a writer on the show about a year ago, I think, um, and she did workshops in prisons and ended up writing a book about... It was called All the Good Things. It's a very good book, uh, Claire Fisher. Um, but she, her character spends time in prison. I should say the author hasn't spent time in prison uh, beyond those workshops. Um, and uh, the character finds a sort of... Um, well, she sees a, a psychologist in prison. There's all sorts of needs that are met in prison that are not met in the outside world. Mm. Is that what they're imagining these women's sort of community centres could be? Is that sort of a purpose? I think they, they are imagining that. And mm. I think imagining is a good kind of way of thinking because cause it, it does happen sometimes that people do get support in prison. Um, but it happens more that the that the harms are higher than the support. Interesting. Um, and I think the the imagining is that people will arrive at these residential 
uh, women's community centres and receive the support. But from an abolitionist perspective... Um, They'd be self-reporting. You wouldn't... like you Support would be available before you commit crime or before you're in the criminal justice system. Mm. That, like there's more work that happens upstream. Like social housing would be a thing that exists. Like homelessness wouldn't be a thing. This isn't in the female offender strategy. This is just... In, in a, in, from an abolitionist from an perspective. abolitionist perspective the, yeah. yeah you wouldn't because the female female offender strategy is more money going into the criminal justice system except it's not more money they were going to spend 50 million on these community prisons but now they're spending three and a half million on these women's centres so okay yeah it's different I mean it's a very complex question yeah yeah it is um, w- something we're nearly at the end but something that came up in our a show with the um, anthropologist was sort of. Um, I went to French school. We studied Foucault. Going to put that out there. Oh. Um, but anyway, but this, this idea. Um, you, you get you get all of these um, sort of French guys who yeah. go to other cultures and they're saying, oh, you know, um, in this culture they're given gifts instead of uh, instead of being taken to prison if, if mm. you do something bad. Like, what other frameworks have you got in? mind you said like more support on like yeah. in terms I mean, I of think, social housing yeah the kind of basic premise of prison is that you 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 punish people by sending them away yeah mm. so you send them outside of the community and you kind of you don't imagine what happens really there and you don't think about them and they come back but mm. you don't really think about that so they're kind of isolated and sent away um but an abolitionist perspective would be that you when when things go wrong you keep people closer mm. you don't send them away you don't punish them you support them that punishment as a as a way of doing things doesn't work. So if we were really to truly reduce the prison population, and I think this fits in with the women's ostra- uh, offender strategy, we need to reframe how we think about justice from retributive to transformative. I think that's a brilliant note to end on. Thank you so much for coming, Mo. Um, it's a really interesting show. I think that's all we've got time for. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and I just wanted to end by telling our listeners that we, Very Loose Women, currently have a call out for LGBTQ plus people who would like to, who would be interested in sharing their coming out story. That's for a special episode. How did you come out? Um, what does coming out mean to you? Um, what was the reaction? Email us vlwradio at gmail.com or tweet us at vlwradio or send us a message on Facebook, Very Loose Women. This would be for radio and podcasts, so please do get in touch if you or someone you know might be interested. Um, all the episodes of Very Loose Women are available to download and listen to on iTunes, podcasts and ACAST slash Very Loose Women. Please do comment, rate and subscribe. Yeah. We're now going to play Chain Gang by Sam Cook. That's the sound of the men working on the chain gang That's the sound of the men working on the chain gang All day long they're saying Ah 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 Ah